Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I am the worship pastor here at Compass Point Bible Church, and I am back on this side of things asking the questions to lead Pastor Paul Eastwood. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. How are you, Paul? I'm doing good. Excellent. Uh, we're sorry we're getting this out a little bit late this week. It is Christmas here. Um, I mean, it's kind of Christmas, getting to be Christmas everywhere, but we're we're in the depths of planning yep. and working on stuff for Christmas, which is exciting. And we started Advent on Sunday. Yeah. Paul, talk to me about what is Advent? Yeah. What are we doing this year? So Advent is, um, well, maybe we can talk about this together because I know uh, you have done a lot of work uh, in terms of putting some music together for the different mm. Uh, seasons or rhythms of the church and you wrote some music specifically for Advent so you want to tell us a little bit about the music that you wrote or sure yeah Yeah. so I I have a song uh, called Make Way um, that's a song of preparation right Uh, and it kind of reminds us to make way for the king and what that means it's kind of a a taking stock and looking at things and waiting and and also kind of preparing our hearts and getting rid of idols yeah Um, and that the whole idea of Advent is this season of preparation so we often Kind of the the marketing shopping world kind of says, once American Thanksgiving is done, let's go. It's time yeah. to shop. It's time to play. Michael Buble and the malls. Yeah. And Advent in the church has always been a little bit different. Um, yeah. the, we actually have far fewer Advent carols than we do Christmas carols, even though Advent's a longer season. Yeah. And Advent's the season leading up to Christmas where we, we stop and we wait. Yeah. Uh, we prepare. Uh, we're reminded... Uh, we we kind of place ourselves into this Christmas story and, yeah. and the people who were waiting for the Messiah, right. who didn't yet know everything. So it's kind of an intentional holding back, yeah. almost. Uh, so, and what are some of those Advent hymns that we sing? Because we we sang one on Sunday. Uh, come now, long expected Jesus right. is is one of the classics. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Yeah, um, kind of a lot of these come, these yeah. longing. Yeah. This, this God, I, you know, we need you. Um, and we sang a song on Sunday that I wrote that isn't an Advent song particularly, yeah. but we need you more. It's kind yeah. of that that theme is core uh, is at the core of Advent. Um, there's there's funny there's church traditions that actually don't mention the name of Jesus for the four weeks leading up to Christmas. Yeah. Uh, and, and we do. We think it's important to celebrate the resurrection yeah. at least a little bit every Sunday. Yeah. Um, but this is a season of intentional kind of preparing and waiting. Yeah. And I think I think it's a really, it's really interesting. Whenever you hear some of those songs uh, that we've just mentioned right mm-hmm. now, um, there's this opportunity to sort of place yourself into that place of waiting. And it's something that we, because we look back on the Christmas story and it's something we've heard a million times. And so we know it, we know it back and forth. Yeah. We know it so well that some of what we know isn't even in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But having said all <laughs> that, you know, we don't, often put ourselves in the place of what it must have felt like in the darkness, yeah. right? And and that's where we, we spoke into with this series. We started with Isaiah chapter 9 mm. and talked about this idea for those people who are waiting and wondering and questioning and, you know, you know don't know the good news exactly or what it's going to look like or, you know, waiting for restored relationships for the people who are stuck inside or people who are, you know, worried about their jobs, worried about relationships, confused, maybe even frustrated or mad. All of those things are sort of encompassed in this idea of darkness before truth comes. Mm. <laughs> and the darkness before truth is where this Advent kind of, you know, gives this meaning. And so in the midst of this, the prophet Isaiah says, you know, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And he begins to describe in very poetic ways this new one who who um, is going to come into the world and produce something mm-hmm. that is going to change everything. And that's, that's you know, that, so that's what we celebrate. And that's where we kind of started when we began the series or began this um, series on Sunday. Yeah. And remind me, Paul, if you can, how, how far before Jesus was Isaiah writing? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I, I it was a couple of thousand years. Um, yeah, um, it, it was a while because there yeah. was there was a period before Jesus. I think it was about a thousand years. Yeah, we, we've got there's a there's kind of a six hundred year period of that's prophetic right. silence. Yeah. Like like the Bible, the Old Testament kind of goes to six hundred years before Jesus, and yeah. then there's like like nothing. Yeah, like that's it's right. Just waiting. Um, yeah, and, and I I think. Uh, and we, we've talked about this. I think one of the reasons that this is so good for us this year yeah. is this is where we're at, um, yeah. right? Like how many of us are just waiting for COVID to be done, are waiting for a vaccine, oh, totally. are like waiting to, to be able to hang out with friends or to, to have you guys over for supper, you know, like yeah. all of these things. We're in this season of waiting and and it's uh, it's harder now uh, than it was in the spring even. And in the spring, um, I mean, this, there's, there's a reason actually that Advent, the church calendar lays it out with the creation kind of patterns and rhythms. Um, we're, we're, my family right now, one of our, we do something different for Advent every year, usually something fun. So we've got this Lego Advent yeah. um, giant setup. So we're always rearranging it. And then we try to read something. And this year we picked up a book called All Creation Waits, mm. which actually talks about the rhythms of nature right now uh, and how a lot of creatures go into hibernation, go into this season of yeah. waiting. Um, and it's really cool, really scientific, really like informative when it comes to nature, but yeah. also this, like, there's this thing that happens in creation where things pause and yeah. there's darkness and there's oppression and, and there's we snow kinda, on the ground. Yeah. I mean, at least in our context yeah, and it's cold <laughs> and it's, um, dark and, and, and then, I mean, the winter equinox happens and we, and we like things start getting brighter again yeah. and spring come, right? Like, and, and this is Easter and we'll get onto there eventually, but um, that, there's yeah. so many reminders right now that we're in this season of waiting. Oh, and we did this, we did this series a long time ago and I could, I mean, I, I, you know, we're, we're kind of going down a bit of a different track, but I got to say that, you know, one of my favorite things is when I, and I found this out a couple of years ago as I was, you know, preparing for a Sunday cause it, or for a Christmas season. Cause as you know, as being a pastor, when you're writing about Christmas, uh, just like a, a writer writing about Christmas music, you're writing about the same things, right? You got to say the same thing a different yeah. way yeah. over and over and over again. But one of the ways that I was looking at it was this idea of light in the darkness. And the thing that really, you know, is, is so powerful to me is what is the first thing that God says? The first time we hear his words in the Bible is very simple. He let says, there be. let there be light. Yeah. And in that moment, he begins creation. And what do we know about creation? It points us incompletely, but it points us to God. Yeah. So right from the very beginning, he says, let there be light. Hmm. And then he starts this amazing process of creation, creating the world that we live in that begins to point our imaginations and our thoughts upward to something larger than ourselves. And then you see through history, there's, there's this struggling nation, this small group of people who want to display... Like, he calls out Abraham, Abraham and mm. Abram and calls him Abraham and says, Hey, you're going to be the father of many nations. Yeah. You are going to be the one that's going to be a light. And now this, this little, you know, nation emerges and then these prophets begin to speak for God. And so the light gets clearer and clearer. And Isaiah yeah. is one of those people. And then all of a sudden there's this like moment in history where like the light finally comes. Yeah. It, it's like, I'm, I'm picturing a sunrise, you know, yeah. when you, you can see the hint of the sun, but you can't see it yet. Yep. And that first moment it peaks over the hill, right? It's and, beautiful. and this is the moment we're at in the church yeah. calendar. Yeah. And this is the moment we're placing ourselves in the story. Yeah. So exactly. we're, we're talking about hope. We're talking about that glow that you can see on the sunrise before the sun comes up. Yeah. Um, talk, talk to me about hope, Paul. And I think this is really important because hope gives us this idea that maybe we believe our circumstances could work out for the best. And that might get us through like a difficult moment or kind of a tough time, but experience yeah. tells us this isn't always true. 
because mm-hmm. sometimes our circumstances don't work out. Like there is no like TV ending where everything kind of gets tied up in a neat little bow and it's like, yeah, everything, everybody's great. Yeah. That's not what the biblical idea of hope is really about. It's not that we can hope for some kind of outcome or future. It's actually biblical help is hope is based on a person. The power of hope is not in what we hope for, but who we put our hope in, hmm. right? So that's the thing. And so I had this like silly illustration of, of what we tie our rope to. Yeah. So in the middle of like the craziness of everything that's going on, what is that foundational thing that we hold on to in the yeah. middle of it? That is hope. Yeah. So for me, an example of this would be when my daughter was born. And I've shared this story before. Um, but when my daughter was born, she had um, a respiratory issue. She was born very quickly. And she was also born premature. So she wasn't breathing properly. Mm-hmm. And when I arrived in the hospital at um, in Milton, it was a little, a small little hospital as it is today. Um, you know, they were trying to help her and do what they could to help this my, my daughter. And they had a little hood over top of her head that was giving her oxygen. And she was having a hard time catching her breath. And so when I arrived, that's another story for another day. I wasn't yep, there yep. for the moment. I was in Briarcrest, actually, in, in Saskatchewan at school. <laughs> Flew home, arrived just a few hours after she had been born um, at 6 in the morning in Pearson. I got driven over to the hospital in Milton. That's where I found her. The bottom line of the story is that there was a lot of fear in those moments. There was a lot of like, um, or there could have been a lot of those kinds of feelings. But what I felt in the moment was just this overwhelming sense of calm. Mm -hmm. And I am, uh, I, I don't know exactly how to explain that other than I recognize in the moment that God is in charge. That doesn't mean that things were going to work out for my daughter. And, you know, it's, it's really hard for me to even imagine a different possibility, but I recognize there are lots of people for whom things don't work out well, but I, I have to believe that in this moment that, you know, just like all of us, even though the pain is so sharp and so severe, we really believe that we can get through. Mm -hmm. And I believe that I would have been able to get through, you know, recognizing that I have faith in a God who cares about me and who loves me and who was strong enough, and who was wise enough. And those are all the characteristics that we saw when we looked at Isaiah chapter 9. Yeah, I love that. It's, uh, yeah, it, it, hope is not assuming or kind of a wishful thinking that, that the circumstance is going to work itself out and it'll be awesome. Yeah. Um, it's, it's trusting God. Uh, and that's, that's, that's hard to do. What would, you, what would you say to someone who's struggling, uh, especially right now, to kind of, yeah. kind of trust that, that God is good and in charge and that, um, like it feels like the circumstances aren't working themselves out. How do you, how do you yeah. follow God in that? So, so one thing I would say is that we need to remind ourselves over and over again about the faithfulness of God. Mm-hmm. And the way we do that is by either hearing stories of God's faithfulness in the lives of our families and friends, or reading the scripture that has pages and pages and pages of these kinds of stories. And we talked about one of them on, on Sunday was the story of Ruth and her, mm-hmm. and her mother-in-law, Naomi. And that story is so powerful to me because there's this, you know, it's like, it just so happened that it just so happened that, and then all of these kind of comments that seem like coincidences, as we look back on it, we recognize it's the hand of God in the midst of it. So what I would say to people who are in these difficult circumstances and hear me, you have to hear me carefully here because I recognize that there's an, there's a way that we can talk about this kind of stuff that seems sort of trite and dismissive. And I am in no, no way feeling any of those things. But I would say that 
even when we feel far from God, he isn't far from us. Mm. And, and I know that's easy to say and harder to feel, but if we begin to recognize that the details in our stories, the details in our lives do not happen outside of the sovereignty of God, and the sovereignty is basically, you know, his good plans and purposes, yeah. then what we start to do is we we start to look at our circumstances differently, but it also gives us, it gives us something to hold on to when nothing seems to be secure. Mm. <laughs> because yeah. in those moments when you're feeling all that stuff, you never feel like you can hold on to anything. No. But but I believe that everybody is reaching for something in mm-hmm. those moments. Yep. And you know, I know people who've had, you know, terrible experiences where someone has died or someone has had this, you know, you know, terrible experience. And the people that I talked to said that they they for the first time they went to a um, a psychic, mm-hmm. someone who read cards or yep. someone who, you know, did, you know, did that kind of thing. And if you would ask them if they would ever do that beforehand, they would say, there's no way, like, that's just crazy. It's not real. It's, you know, whatever. But what we see is that in those moments, we're reaching for something. Mm. We have to hold on to something because our circumstances don't have enough edges or strong parts to them where we can hold on because they're just, it's all falling apart. Yeah. But what we know as believers is that there is an anchor that is strong enough to hold us in the midst Mm -hmm. of whatever we're facing. That's what hope is about. And that's why we talk about it at Advent, because Jesus is the beginning of that story. I mean, his story is the story that that actually brings it all to fruition. But Mm. the birth of this of this baby Jesus is the beginning of, you know, of where hope starts. Yeah, no, that's that's so good. I am going to add one thing to what you just said there. You said that um, we remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God by hearing and telling the story of it and by, yeah. by reading it in the scripture. We also yeah. do it by singing, you know, I'm going to ah, my own little yes. bit, which, which honestly is, oh. it's the same thing, right? It's yep. telling the story of God. And I mean, worship songs should be entirely rooted in paraphrasing, borrowing, stealing scripture, right? And yep. that's, that's what it is. And we, I mean, this is, again, it's one of the reasons why we gather weekly Yeah. Um, because we are quick to forget, right? Like if you read, oh. If you read the Bible, especially the Old Testament, what is it God's always saying? And, and the prophets are always saying, remember, remember, remember. Yeah. And it's it's not um, God being faithful isn't isn't a fact you can be like, yes, I understand it. Like, you know, six times six, 36, right? Yeah. It's not a fact that you know and you file away and you've got yeah. it. It's a, it's a reality that we need to live into and we need yeah. to remind ourselves of daily. Exactly. And, and it's going to, it's actually going to take something different for me and mean something different for me to hope in God and to know God's faithfulness tomorrow than it does today. Yeah. And it's different today than it was yesterday because life changes. I change and, and God is the same, right? Yeah. So this is why the reminder of God's faithfulness has us in the word daily, has us in relationship with each other and has us singing these great reminders that, yeah. that God is faithful. Yeah. And the truth is when we look back at our own history or things that have happened in our life, mm. we're able to tell those stories in ways that, um, give us strength or courage or, you know, something because we, we, we can see things in a different way, but it's almost always looking back. It's very rarely in the moment, Mm -hmm. which is why I would say that for those of you who are, uh, let's just put it this way. If you are not, and I understand that COVID has kind of put us all in this low level sort of feeling of anxiety or whatever, for whatever reason. But what I would say is that if you're a person who is, you know, feeling pretty secure in where you are today, Um, you know, it is really be very careful about the way that you 
share hope with someone who is really struggling. Mm. And, and just like you said, our hope is, you know, maybe today different today and tomorrow because our circumstances change. Um, the way that it's expressed may come across differently depending on what your circumstances are. It's easy for us in the moment when someone loses a loved one to say, oh, there's a reason behind this or God's got a plan or whatever. Those kinds of things may be true or factual statements, but they're not helpful statements, especially in those moments. And so when we talk about this idea of of sharing hope, um, you know, I certainly want to make sure that we are sharing it in ways that is, you know, that's also loving and, and helping people. Um, because, you know, Lyle talks about letting everything that comes out of our mouth um, be useful for helping others and building others up according to their needs. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I mean, it's, it's so interesting. I, uh, based on that definition, I wonder if a guy like Job actually had deep hope. Mm. Uh, and he, I mean, here's a guy mm. who like legit didn't, didn't know what to do with his circumstances, was, was crying out to God, felt unjustly attacked. And you read the story of Job and you're kind of like, man, that is a rough go. Yeah. Um, and and yet he never spoke against God. In, 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 is, that, is that accurate? Yeah, yeah I think no, that's absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, like, you're right. I mean, it, it was, it's this funny line, yeah. right? Having hope doesn't mean not lamenting, not mourning. Um, and I think this is actually something important for us in this season. There's a lot of things I think we can lament. Yeah. Um, but that also it, it doesn't it doesn't mean we can't also have joy. This is the the tension and and the. the one of the just great things about the Christian life is is we actually we should be able to accept uh, maybe not even accept but like live through dark and difficult circumstances. Um, you should be mourning the fact that you can't have a big Christmas dinner and that we are not going to have a big gathering for Christmas Eve in person where we light candles together. Right? It's it's just not going to happen, and that's a loss for sure. Uh, and yet there's still joy and there's still hope in this season. Yeah. There's still so much. And as you reminded us uh, on Sunday, um, this is going to be a hard Christmas for many of us. And this is a great reminder for most of us that there's a group of people out there who have a hard Christmas every year. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, this is a difficult season for many people. Uh, yeah. And just because we're being invited into that actually should heighten our sense of hope and our ability to cling on to that and find it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's an important sort of uh, addition there that, that, you know, right now Christmas is different. And I, I know that it's, it's, it's easy just to kind of say that quickly, but it's true. I think diff- yeah. it, it will be different this year, but I think there are two main problems that are, that make it different. And number one is this low level uh, anxiety or feelings of, whether it's anger or frustration or worry or whatever it is, those kinds of feelings are under everything and they're sort of foundational and they're sort of rumbling around somewhere in our minds, taking up space and causing us to have a really hard time finding love, joy and peace and and love Mm -hmm. and in the midst of it and hope. But the second thing I would say is that there's this longing for, um, you know, connection and relationship and the fact that a lot of those relationships, and we can make jokes about the fact that, hey, you know, there are some people we'd probably rather avoid. And so COVID has given us a chance to like not have to have, Mm -hmm. you know, the, you know, weird dinners with whoever. And I know people joke about that kind of stuff, but if you really think about it in your own life, I think we all recognize that we are social people craving social interaction and that has a difference and makes a difference in the midst of all of this. Yeah. So good. Um, yeah. And I, I was going to say Martin Luther King, um, you know, I, I used this quote on Sunday and mm. he said that we must, abs- we must accept finite disappointment, yeah. but never lose infinite hope. Oh yes. And I love that. It's just a great, 
a reminder for us. That's so helpful. Well, the, the next three weeks, um, I mean, the, the nice thing about Advent is while, while there are weeks are different themes, so we, we've done hope, uh, next week is peace and then joy and then love. Um, and, and we're going to, you know, we're going to define these things and, and have some boundaries, but the truth is they're all, it's all about Jesus, right? Yeah, so, of course. So we're just going to continue this conversation yeah. in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Any, any closing thoughts for us today on hope? Yeah, I, I, I would just say, you know, the reminder of who we're putting our hope in, you know, we're told that this person would be called the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting mm. father and prince of peace. And my, my, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite verses, Romans fifteen thirteen says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him mm-hmm. so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I have a song written on that verse. It's one of my favorite benedictions. Love it. Uh, thank you so much, Paul. Uh, this is great. I am excited to continue to dig in and to see what what Advent looks like in COVID this year and the ways that we can find this hope and, and peace and joy and love. So thank you for listening along to Postscript. We'll be back next week with more.